Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Let's worship together. Would you stand and sing with us? to see everybody here at worship this morning. I've got a few announcements to make. Um, Operations Christmas Child boxes are available for sale for $2 each. These boxes will last many years and remind the recipients of the love of God. 
If you or a group you're in would like to sponsor a trunk for our trunk or treat on October 30th, please sign up in the Welcome Center. And Saturday, we'll have a work day to prepare the grounds for the pumpkin patch. The work day begins at 9. Please bring yard tools, gloves, and a strong back. Next Sunday, we'll have a brief presentation from the Gideons. We'll be receiving a special offering for this important ministry of placing God's word throughout the world. This morning's first scripture reading is James 5, 7 through 11. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another, so that you may not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the doors, as an example of suffering and patience. Beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Indeed, we call blessed those who showed endurance. You've heard the endurance of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. The word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Faithful God, we gather to praise you and offer our thanks. We especially thank you for Jesus, who taught us humility and hospitality. Remind us often how truly blessed we are through our riches in Christ Jesus. Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your word is a fountain of blessing in this world. Enliven our souls as we hear your word today. Let us learn the lesson of Micah, that you forgive our sin and love us forever. Forgive our foolish ways and fill us with your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord, you've seen them all. 
still call me friend Cause the God of the mountain Is the God of the valley There's not a place Your mercy and grace Won't find me again Oh, there's nothing participation in our Holotus Trunk or Treat, which will be in Old Town Holotus. If you, as an individual, would like to sponsor a trunk and uh, pass out candies and spoil children, we would love to have you sign up. If you know a local business or organization who might also like to sponsor a trunk, we would love to have them too. It's an opportunity to plug into the community to make others aware that what the business has to offer, the organization has to offer, we do allow them to pass out information along with candy to the kiddos. So if you know somebody who might be interested in doing that, please uh, 
give them my information or let me know about them so I can contact them and beg for them to come and hang out with us. I would love that. We also have some very exciting uh, volunteer opportunities coming up with our high school and youth group, um, and middle school, excuse me, middle school and high school. If you are interested in working with that age group, if you have any desire in your heart to mentor towards that age group, please let me know. We are looking for people who um, are willing to reach out and to build up our group. We do have middle schoolers and high schoolers in this church. I know we see Jonathan every week. He's not alone. I promise you guys they are there. And we can reach out to them and we can bring them here on Sunday mornings because this is where we should be plugged into, right? Especially in that age. And with that, I'd like to invite, I think, my two children forward. I don't see anyone else out there right now. We have more friends at 11 o'clock, but that's okay. We get to hang out at this service too. So I have a question for you guys, and I know the answer to it, so don't lie, okay? Why? <laughs> have you ever gotten in trouble? Yeah. <laughs> Multiple times. Maybe this morning when we couldn't find our shoes. Yeah. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. What happens? What, like, what's the worst part of getting in trouble? What's the worst part? Is it just getting caught? My kids are moving away from me. It's getting caught, or is it getting in trouble, getting a, um, a punishment, having to say I'm sorry? Punishment. The punishment, having to sit in time out or be grounded, lose the TV. Those things are not fun, right? They're not fun to deal with. You know what I always disliked when I got in trouble? Because my dad was really good at this part, the talk. Do you guys know what the talk is? We've had it a couple times. I don't know if we've called it that. The talk. It's when after things have calmed down, you sit down with mom or dad or a grown-up around you and have a discussion about the choices that you made that led to what got you in trouble, right? And, and why we chose to do this or why we chose to react to something in that way that caused maybe harm to ourselves or harm to others, harm to property, right? The talk is never really a whole, it's not fun to start, but usually by the end of it, hopefully, you, uh, you find a different solution. You find ways that you could have worked out your problem differently. Hopefully, you maybe have some hope in it, right? I can do better next time. I don't have to hit my brother when he takes my toy, right? Or I don't have to lie to mom about cleaning up my room and shoving everything under my bed. Hey, hey right? And usually at the end of the talk, at least at the end of the talks I had with my dad, there was forgiveness in there. There was forgiveness in there. There was saying, you know what? You're growing and you're learning. We all make mistakes, and it's okay. But we want to make sure that we learn from our mistakes, that we don't act the same way again, and that we move forward, right? And sometimes we have that talk after bad things happen in the world, right? Yesterday was a pretty important anniversary in the life of our country. It's September 11th, and we haven't taught this in our school yet, for my littles in particular. But it's, it's a day when people who didn't like the United States decided to attack the United States. And it only happened 20 years ago. And when something like that happens, something big like that happens, sometimes we need to have the talk afterwards to work through what happened to work through why somebody chose to behave in a certain way or why somebody chose to hurt somebody. And it can help us get through that. And I heard a lot of the talk happening on social media yesterday. Did anybody else hear it? 20 years later, and we're still sorting through those emotions. And that's going to always happen. There's always going to be a big thing that happens in every generation's life that they need to resolve, they need to work through. And you guys are going to face that. And when we do, I want you guys to turn to the Bible. 
And that might sound like a little bit of a silly thing, right, when something bad happens, because, you know, September 11, 2001 is not in my Bible. But there are other events in my Bible that happened that people had to sort through. And if you look at the book of Micah in particular, the entire book of Micah is the talk between God and the Israelites. God's like, guys, you know, I sent people down here to talk to you. I sent people down here to remind you to come back to me, to make the right choices. And over and over and over again, we've run away. And then because we've run away and we've broken the covenant, because we've broken all of our rules, you've had bad things happen to you, right? When you guys break rules at home, when we decide to try things like jumping or running down the stairs, what happens? You fall and get hurt, right? Well, it's the same with God's people in the Bible. When the Israelites chose to run away from God and do things that God told them not to do, they got hurt. And God had to have the talk with them over and over and over again. And Micah is a good book to look at that talk. Because Micah, the prophet, reminds the people that every single day, every single action you take, every situation you're in, you have three choices to make. Three choices. And they're very similar to the two commandments that Jesus gave us later on. He says, God has asked you to live a good life. In order to do that, in order to follow him, you can do three things. You can choose to do justice. You can choose to be fair in everything that you're doing. You can choose to love mercy, which is another word for kindness. It's a good way to think about it, kindness. To treat others the way you want to be treated. Treat them with compassion, with love. Treating them like Jesus would treat them, right? You can choose to love kindness, and always, every day, every breath you take, you can choose to follow God and to walk with him and to follow his example. You have those three choices. And when you choose those every day of your life, sometimes we're not going to always do our best, right? Sometimes we're going to make the wrong choice. But the, at the end of our lives, we're going to sit down one-on-one -on -one and have this talk with Jesus, with God. We're going to talk about our lives and the choices we've made. God's going to go over them with us just like our parents would, just like my daddy went over stuff with me. And God's going to say, you know what? You made wrong choices. He's not going to sugarcoat it. He's not going to try to make you feel better about the wrong choices you made. He said, I told, he'll tell you. I told you what to do that was right. You chose to do what was wrong. And there might be a punishment for that, right? We see the Israelites get punished over and over again. But at the end of the day, if we follow our God, our God is a God of love and kindness. And he always shows us mercy. And he always offers us forgiveness. And I want you guys to think about that as you go from this place and you're walking around and you're thinking about your actions and your choices. We can choose to do justice, to always be fair. We can choose to love kindness and treat others the way we want to be treated. And always, every breath we take, we can choose to follow God, okay? Will you guys bow your heads and pray with me? Let's say, dear God, we hear your call to live a good life, full of justice and kindness, in following you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, I'd like to invite all the kiddos to spark worship. Morning. It's good to see all of y'all here on this next to the last Sunday of summer. Anyway, my first rainbow always is the joy it is to see all of you. So uh, praise the Lord for that. And I, I have some rattlesnakes, you know, but, you know, rattlesnakes eat rats. There, there really is. There's good in all things, right? If we just, if we but look for it. Anyway, I do want us to remember all of those who 
lost loved ones 20 years ago yesterday, because I'm sure this weekend is painful for them particularly. So I want to lift all of them up. Oh, Lord, we pray. We, we do have quite a few members of our congregation currently who are just like Willie Nelson, right? They're on the road again. We want to lift them up for uh, travel mercies. Oh, Lord, we pray. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for all that you bless us with. We really forget how blessed we are. Forgive us when we become angry, when we're stuck in traffic. And let us remember all the people of the world who don't even have shoes, much less two or three cars. Lord, we lift up those people. We lift up peoples everywhere who don't just have the basic necessities of life. Teach us to share what we have with those who have not enough. Lord, we lift up all of those who have recently and many years ago lost loved ones whose memories are still so much alive in their hearts. We ask that you would comfort them, that they not be overcome with grief. Lord, we lift up those anywhere who are in the path of bad weather, earthquakes, fires, violence. We lift them all up to you, Lord. Lord, we ask that you would open our ears, our hearts, and our understanding as your word is proclaimed today. Remind us that you have given us dominion. You have given us responsibilities. You have given us forgiveness so that we can put the past aside and press on to spreading your love, your light, your goodness to the whole world as your son did. And now we pray as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to talk about the prophet Micah. And Micah was a contemporary of Amos, which we talked about last week. And Micah is one of the prophets, too, where, like Amos, we're familiar with at least a few verses from the book of Micah, right? Well, one of them we always read during Advent, Micah 5.2, because it tells us where the Messiah is going to be born, right? In Bethlehem. So, 
he was acting as a, in, in one of his roles as a prophet when he said that. Another one is Micah 6, 8, which Jesse alluded to in the children's sermon where it says, you know, what does God ask of us except to do justice? And again, I'll remind you, doing, doing justice, justice is something we do. It's not something that's just out there. And that we love faithfulness and that we walk humbly with the Lord. That's what uh, Micah reminds us to do in, in Micah 6 8. Micah means who is like the Lord. That's what his name means. Who is like the Lord. Actually, it's, a sh uh, it's actually Micaiah, but it's shortened to Micah. And it means who is like Yahweh, who is like the Lord. And that's a good question, right? Who is a God like our God, like you? And, of course, the answer is there aren't any. There aren't any gods. There's only one God. But, of course, people in Micah's time, as well as people in our time, have all sorts of gods, right? They have all sorts of gods. They forget, uh, we forget often that there's only one God, only one God. And as I said, Micah was a contemporary of Amos. So Micah lived in the 8th century, the end of the 8th century before Jesus. Micah, like Amos, was a prophet in Judah. But where Amos went and prophesied against Israel, Micah stayed in Judah and prophesied there. And Micah is a great example of what one person really can do. You know, sometimes we think, oh, wow, what can I do? Well, you can do a lot. God has, God has empowered each and every one of us to do a lot if we'll but get up and do it. Just get up and do it. That's all we have to do. During Micah's tenure as a prophet in Judah, he was a prophet during the reigns of three different kings of Judah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Hezekiah is particularly important, and you can, you can read about this later in Jeremiah if you want to, because uh, Jeremiah records what happened there as well. Hezekiah actually heeded Micah's words and did something. And because of the reforms that Hezekiah enacted after listening to Micah, the captivity of Judah was put off by a hundred years. We can do things. We have the power to do things. This morning, instead of a brief synopsis of the whole book, which I trust you will all read later today or later this week, right? It's not a not a long book, Micah. Most of the most of the prophets aren't that long. I mean the long the long prophets are what? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Most of most of the prophets are rather short. And the shortest of all, of course, is Obadiah, right? But uh, long name but short book. But uh, I encourage you to read Micah. But this morning I want us to concentrate on 
like I said, what, what, what Micah's name means. Who is like the Lord? And our scripture text for that comes out of the very last chapter of the book of Micah, chapter 7, and we'll be reading verses 11 through 20. Consider the word of the Lord. A day for the building of your walls. In that day, the boundary shall be far extended. In that day, they will come to you from Assyria to Egypt, from Egypt to the river, from sea to sea, from mountain to mountain. But the earth will be desolate because of its inhabitants for the fruit of their doings. Shepherd your people with your staff, the flock that belongs to you, which lives alone in a forest in the midst of a garden land. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead as in the days of old, as in the days when you came out of the land of Egypt. Show us marvelous things. The nations shall see and be ashamed of their might. They shall lay their hands on their mouths. Their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick dust like a snake, like the crawling things of the earth. They shall come trembling out of their fortresses, for they shall turn in dread to the Lord our God and they shall stand in fear of you. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of your possession? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in showing clemency. He will again have compassion upon us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and unswavering loyalty to Abraham as you have sworn to our ancestors from the days of old. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who forgives all our sins and whose steadfast love endures to all generations, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. Amen. So here in these last verses of Micah, chapter 7 there, Micah lists out actually seven characteristics of God and then caps it off or bookends it with two more, faithfulness and loyalty. So... Who is a God like you? 
Who is a God who pardons our iniquities? Pardons our iniquities. Y'all know what y'all know what happens at sundown on Friday. Besides it being, I mean, excuse me, sundown on Wednesday. Besides it being Tom and Jill's anniversary, all right? That might be a sermon topic too. An anniversary along with the Day of Atonement, right? That might be an interesting path to take sometime. But at sundown on Wednesday marks the beginning of Yom Kippur, all right? The Day of Atonement. That's all laid out in Leviticus chapter 16. We talk about the, the Lord who pardons our iniquities. It talks all about that there in Leviticus chapter 16, where the high priest actually goes into the Holy of Holies. You know, the, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies one day a year, only one day a year, the tenth day of the seventh month. And then, even then, the high priest, you know what the high priest had on in addition to all his vestments? He had a rope around his ankle, right? He had a rope around his ankle because if he entered the Holy of Holies unclean, if there was any blemish in him, he'd be struck dead. He'd be struck dead. So they had to have, they had to have a rope on his ankle so they could pull him out if that happened. And, of course, that's when, uh, that's when the high priest takes, you know, they take two goats, right? They take two goats, and they roll the dice. That's what it says, right? They cast lots. But, of course, of course Proverbs tell us, tells us that the lot is cast, but the disposition thereof is in the hands of the Lord, right? And, of course, some of you know we've talked about that. I've been a proponent a long time for different offices in the church to be decided by casting lots. You may think that's funny. I mean, really, and, 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 and at first it sounds kind of goofy, but let's just take, for example, a position in our church, any, any ecclesiastical uh, position that you want to pick. What if we took a pool of people that were qualified, there's always a qualified pool, and we cast lots instead of electing them? We'd cut the politics right out of it, wouldn't we? There wouldn't be any there if we just took the qualified people and cast lots. Anyway, again, that's, a, that's, a, that's another topic too. But they cast lots, and one of the goats, you know, I guess you'd call this the goat that lost. The goat that lost would be sacrificed as a sin offering, right? As a sin offering for the people of Israel. The other goat was referred to as the scapegoat. The scapegoat, the high priest laid his hands on the head of the scapegoat and prayed over it and put all the sins of the people of Israel on it. And then a designated person would lead the scapegoat out into the wilderness, signifying that there's that there iniquities had been pardoned. And that happens one day a year. 
that's also the only day in the Bible, that's the only day in Scripture where the people of Israel are commanded specifically to fast. There are many fasts alluded to, and there are many fasts that are called in the Bible. But the only one that's actually laid out in Scripture is the Day of Atonement. Again, the the 10th day of the seventh month is when it is, which, again, for us this year begins at sundown on Wednesday the 15th. But what about Jesus, right? What about Jesus? Remember again, all the prophets are pointing toward Jesus. Jesus told us that himself. Well, what did John say in chapter in, in John chapter one? John, not the John that wrote John, but John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, What? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So who is a God like our God who passes over transgressions? And y'all remember the time in, it's in Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, Jesus is having dinner at Simon's house, right? Jesus is having dinner at Simon's house. And this woman comes in and washes Jesus' feet with her tears and puts ointment on his feet and dries his feet with her hair. And of course, Simon gets all upset because Jesus, if he was any kind of prophet at all, right, would know what kind of person this was, right? Of course, Simon was missing the point on several levels. Jesus came for people specifically like that woman. And Jesus said, what? Though her sins are many, though her sins are many, they are forgiven. Wow. Micah goes on to say, who is a God like this whose anger doesn't last forever? This is something I want you all to remember. I want you to remember it so much that we're going to do something we don't normally do. We're going to open our Bibles. Okay, so I want you to take your pew Bible out. I want you to take your pew Bible out and open it to page 495. And on page 495, you will find yourself a little ways down in Psalm 30. In Psalm 30, I want you to look down at verse 5, which is pretty close to the top of page 495 for you. It's on page 681 in my Bible. You know why? Instead of 495? Because it's printed bigger so I can read it. So, <laughs> Psalm 30 verse 5 says, For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. I want you all to remember that. His anger is for a moment but his favor is for a lifetime. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, in Matthew chapter 21, it's one of the places we read about it. We also read about it in John chapter 2. It's also recorded in Luke. 
Jesus does what? He goes into the temple and he turns over the tables of the money changers. It said he wrapped cords together and made a whip, right? And he drove them out of there. Tells us about that, like I say. You can look there in Matthew chapter 21, verse 12. It's one of those easy verses because the chapter and the verse are just reversed, right? So 21, 12, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, yeah, it's this one. It's a, you know, that's how we remember things, right? Or at least it works for me. I don't know about anybody else. But what did he do? What did he do? Matthew tells us there. He drove the animals they were selling out of the temple, and he drove the money changers out, and he turned over the money and said, don't make my father's house into a marketplace. And then it said he healed people in the temple. Down there at verse 14. It says there were, there, were, there were people in the temple that needed healing, and he healed them. It's hard to heal somebody if you're still angry. But Micah tells us that the reason his anger doesn't last long is because of his steadfast love. The Hebrew word has said that lasts to all generations. That's why his anger doesn't last long. Because of his steadfast love. His steadfast love. And my all-time favorite example of God's steadfast love that Jesus told us about is in Luke chapter 15. And we read the story of the prodigal, right? Remember, there are three lost things in Luke chapter 15. There's a lost sheep, there's a lost coin, and there's a lost son. And of course, the, uh, the real question is, is which, which of the sons was lost? But again, that's another sermon too. But it says he decided to turn and go to his father, right? And while he was still far away, his father ran to him. He ran to him. And that's what God's doing to all of us. He's running to us. He's running to us. And like the father of the prodigal, he wants to throw his arms around us and kiss us because of his steadfast love for all of us. And that compassion goes on. That compassion goes on and never ends. Jesus... Again, there's a place in Matthew where it says Jesus looked at the crowds, right? He looked at the crowds in Matthew chapter 9. And it said he had compassion on them, right? Who is a God like our God whose compassion continues, Micah says. Jesus looked at the crowd and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. Harassed and helpless. Y'all know anybody that's harassed and helpless? They were harassed and helpless because they were sheep. They looked like sheep without a shepherd, right? Without a shepherd. And then it gets to the really good part. It says, who is a God like our God who walks on our iniquities 
who walks on our iniquities. And you think about that. It says in Mark chapter 15, it says they took Jesus to Golgotha, right? Golgotha, the place of the skull. Every step Jesus took walking up Calvary, he was walking on our iniquities, right? He was walking on our iniquities. And Micah caps it off talking about God's attitude towards sin and God's forgiveness. He caps it off by saying, what? Who's a God like our God who throws our sins into the sea, right? Who throws our sins into the sea. You know, I thought about that one a long time. And I think about, I think about what it says in Revelation chapter 1 where it talks about our sins being washed away by Jesus' blood. Remember, there's, what? there's no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. Why? Because the life is in the blood, all right? The life is in the blood. And I think about, you know, there is a fountain filled with blood. But I also think about what Jesus said two places. It's recorded. It's in Matthew chapter 12, and it's in Luke chapter 11. It says the scribes and the Pharisees came to him, and they were what? They were looking for a sign, right? Looking for a sign. And Jesus said, there's going to be no sign given you except the sign of Jonah, right? The sign of Jonah. And I thought about that, and I thought about Jonah. Jonah's exactly what Jesus did. Jonah's exactly our sins being thrown into the sea, right? Our sins being thrown into the sea and remembered no more. And then just like Jonah was raised up out of the sea, Jesus was raised up out of the tomb after three days so that we don't have to think about the consequences of our sins, the things that were done in the past, so that we can go on and live today to its fullest and live today telling others about God's love and God's mercy. So who is a God like our God who is faithful and loyal and compassionate and shows mercy? And who's the same yesterday, today, and forever? And now go in peace. And as you go, go with the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen. strong and true no